broadcasting from a dark basement office. The FBI's most unwanted presents the X-Files podcast. It's the episode where Scully gets lucky. And I couldn't be happier to discuss it, guys. I have a very special guest here today. No, not Josh. Hey, guys. Oh, Josh is special. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cut my legs out from under me. Score one for Josh. He's winning. Great. As <laughs> uh, the show's officially started. But uh, we have a very special guest, listener, longtime listener, and oft guest of many different podcasts. Carmelita, how are you doing this fine Thursday? Dean, I am fabulous. This is like my dream come true. This is my favorite X-Files podcast. Get- mm-hmm. You got like three to pick from, so I'm glad we're number <laughs> there's one. There's more. There's a ton out there, and they kind of all suck. So, Oh, throwing shade. Yeah. You'll, you'll is, feel fit nice in the LSG This is the world. best one. Been li- a listener for years, so I'm really stoked. And this episode what about in particular. That? What about that Kumar guy who's like guy all jacked and hot? Doesn't he, he do one? He used to. Isn't he jacked and hot yeah. now? Oh, he yeah. he, bonks. he got Hollywood. He got the he Hollywood did. call. Oh, okay. He doesn't well. have to be funny anymore because he had enough time to work out. It's a full time job. <laughs> uh, he's like <laughs> those abs. Check out my gum gutters, bro. Yeah, well, I'll yeah. say this too. Not just a listener, but Carm is like part of the team, part of the family. Not just a long time listener, but she's she's a friend of ours. She runs the Twitter. She's helped with a bunch of different like contests and shit we've done. So yeah, I mean she's she's already in the. Inner I love sanctum. you guys. You'd call it's it royal. Just, uh, You'd call her LSG royalty. Right. Show me how you drink out of a nice well, gold. What's lip. special is is there's a there's a few of those people we like to keep them behind the curtain because it's all about Dean and I. Of course, it's yeah. all about us. Right? In fact, if this if by the end of this. We aren't sufficiently fluffed by our friend Carm. We're probably going to be upset. And if she gets too clever and smart for us, we're going to pull the plug. Because right. we don't need anyone to realize. Essentially, she's going to... We, we, there's two things that could happen. She could, she could pump us up, make us fucking seem cool, and tell us how awesome and clever we are. Wow, what consummate professionals, and we're handsome and clever and all that shit. Or... She could move the curtain and you can discover that Oz is full of shit. <laughs> so this is going to go one of two ways. Hopefully the former, not the latter, because the latter is a distinct possibility. That way we have started this evening off so far. You can't pull the plug. And as you've learned from a pre- previous episode, the first guest we've ever had on the show, which is cool. We've never had another um, no. another guest host. Yeah. So that's fun. No guest host. <laughs> yeah. No, <Nope>. exactly. <laughs> Going right. to Dean. Oops. Here we go. Oh, and one. Uh, you're getting a lot of love in the chat, oh, by the way. They're calling you the queen. Hey, uh, real quick, definitely the biggest live listener group that we've had, I don't, maybe ever, definitely for a long time. Yeah, we got to start thinking about pulling temp demographics with female hosts. <laughs> we got to start making a business decision here. Well, help with all those ones. For any reviews. listeners who don't come <laughs> join us in the chat, you are seriously missing out. Just saying. We have fun every time. Yep. Josh, how do they find us? Uh, LibertyStreetGeek.net slash live. Ooh. We're on Discord. No, we're on Mixler. That's right. But it doesn't matter. LibertyStreetGeek.net slash live. So if we ever change the platform, mm-hmm. you always go there. It's going to redirect you right now. It's Mixler. It's free. It's fun. You can listen on your phone. You can be at a computer, whatever. But to um, your point, sometimes 
after these shows and sometimes randomly, LibertyStreetGeek.net slash Discord is a cool thing because people go there and they hang out and they bullshit. You know, they use the voice rooms and they talk and they have fun and we do movie watches sometimes over there. We're, we're looking to watch maybe maybe some Twilight Zone this weekend. So uh, it's cool. Check it out. Check them both out. It's tons of fun. But um, without further ado, too late. We are talking about an episode, Josh. And I think what we should probably do is shut um, the fuck up for a minute. Is shut it? the fuck up for a minute <laughs> and kick it over to our good friend Carm to tell us, uh, give us your little history. Just give us a little open, a little, a little free form about never again. Because you picked this, you were like, I want to. I said, which one do you want to be on? And you're like, this one. Why? Oh yeah, yeah. Never again. Season four, episode thirteen. Originally aired February second, nineteen ninety seven. God. Isn't that like, doesn't that blow your mind? Oh, yeah. Back when I was young and beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, well, that makes two of us. (laughs) So, you know, so I watched X-Files during its live run when it was originally airing. I would drop everything, no matter how screwed up my personal life was. I was (laughs) there in front of the TV to watch X-Files. And I vividly remember the experience of seeing Never Again for the first time. The excitement of seeing Scully be impulsive and get laid and get a tattoo. I mean, all of these things were very exciting to me. I was rooting for her to live a little. And so this has always been one of my favorites. Yeah. I thought this would be a fun one to talk about. You and me both rooting for her to live a little. Yes. She doesn't have to live like a nun. I know. I'm just saying. Right, right. <laughs> Can we get to the elephant in the room? Please. The fucking shippers that have such a problem with this episode. They can all take a hike. Not everybody. I'm a shipper. God forbid Scully ever has a good time. Maybe gets a little dick. Oh my God. What a monster. How dare they? How dare the writers? How dare she have a moment of pleasure in this endless fucking truth quest? Drudgery of the fucking moment. (laughs) She's earned it. She's earned it. Yeah. For sure. And this dude is, hey, he's sexy. Yeah. He really is. He really is. This, this, yeah. they, they, the way, I, there's something about this guy, man. I get it. And there's the, so much about this episode is putting her in this interesting position with this dude who's all bodied up, but he's got this, he's, he's such a brooding 90s dude. Yes. He's such a, uh, you know, you get the impression he's got some strange talent. I don't know. He's got this real quiet porn star energy about him. I can't really put my finger on it, but he, but he's very like, um, the music in this episode accentuates it so much. There's this, this great moment and we'll listen to it where you can see the way Scully is reacting to him. And I was so, one of the, one of the, one of the things that made me so happy about this episode is at the end of it, I wasn't like, Oh, it's all a trick. And she's been like fucking like, you know, pheromone or some horse shit. There was none of that. No. And that, that's probably, the whole time I was watching it, guys, because I didn't have the same memory you guys may have about this one, especially you, Carmen, this is like one of your favorites, is I was never going, okay, I, well, the whole time I was going, okay, so what, why is she, what's going to be the excuse for her to act this way? Yeah, she's just attracted to him. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. And watching her be attracted to him was awesome. And just like, like you said, living a little, not little I think, what'd you say, a nun? Yeah. Just going for it. It's cool. <laughs> and there was a, we'll get to listener comments at the end for sure. But the, this idea that like, you know, 
I, I, a couple people hit around it, and I read a couple things. When I was looking at, at at episode, you know, notes, reviews, whatever. Um, of you know, indications. Nobody straight out calling it bad writing, but like, oh, it seems like a little bit too much. Like Scully is, you know, really down with the X Files. You know, down with Mulder, and I don't mean like cool down like the kids say 20 mm-hmm. years ago i mean like <laughs> like they the, said in 20 down to 2007 <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when this x file episode aired uh, 24 years ago cool um but no like to, to think that that's unrealistic regardless like i'm obviously being a little bit of a troll i love to fucking poke at the shippers i love to you know my boy pendrel mm. but i'm not just saying it for that sake because it's to think that you can have a professional relationship and in, in, embark on this quest, which is so often detrimental to your life, and even if it's rewarding, even if there's you know a, a higher purpose, there's there's a fulfillment, there's a thing you're seeking, but to think that at some point you wouldn't get worn out and be like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, what the fuck am I doing with my life? To think that that is not realistic and that that Dana Scully wouldn't have moments where she's like, what am I doing in this basement office without a desk? I don't even have my own desk. This guy's going to Graceland. What the fuck am I doing? Right. The other thing, the other thing I think is, is to bring it back to, I'm sorry, what's, what's his name? The character Edgers. The Ed, Ed, Ed. To bring it back to Ed a little bit, which, which then I'll pivot back to, to Scully because I like what you're saying here, Josh, is that. The idea of this guy being completely more or less minus the fact that he threw somebody in a furnace. Okay, well, we can get past that. Yeah. You're sexy enough, you get one body in a furnace per year. But, um, <laughs> but the idea that he, there's no pretense, no pretense. He talks about a dive bar. He's not afraid of her to see her shitty place. He's honest with her. There's no pretense with this guy. There's no... And I think that's very disarming for her. I think that she finds that disarming and, and uh, consequently attractive. And she has this line that I, that I that I'm going to butcher, and maybe you guys can remember. But she really talks about having lost herself a little bit. She says it to him, right? Yeah. And if you look at infidelity and anywhere, that is a statement tried and true. That becomes a thing. If you ever watch that show, The Affair which the first season is really good and it's really realistic about why affairs happen. It talks about, in, in, in they, they interviewed psychologists and all this shit about the show and they said one of the things the show gets so right is this uh, loss of self. You're in a relationship for a long time and you look in the mirror one day and go, who the fuck are you? And I think what this episode does so successfully is it makes us feel almost like she's stepping out on Mulder, right? She's annoyed, she's fed up. She says, who even are you? Like to herself, yeah. She's like, I'm just kind of lost. And then, and then to, to Carm's point, you're embracing that which makes you a fucking living, breathing person who can make a decision. And the beauty of her getting laid and doing whatever the fuck she wants to do in this episode, other than A, she's an actionable character with agency, but B, there is no guilt around there. She is not. She owes Mulder nothing as far as that's concerned. But it's interesting that it's almost written like that's like I'm annoyed with you and this has been going on too long and who even am I and I step out. And I'm not saying you should and that's right, but I'm just saying there's a reason people do shit and I almost feel like this episode was like, let's make this almost feel a fair-ish, right? Mm. No, that's a good point. Well, I, I think one interesting thing about this episode is that it was originally intended to come before Leonard Betts. Mm. And a good I actually prefer that it was switched because I think the revelation at the end of Leonard Betts 
adds like right. existential weight to this episode. Oh, it's shit. It's not out of nowhere. Makes sense. You know, like when you get right. like a big life changing thing, you're going to think about, you're going to question, you're going to be introspective and wonder about your life and about the direction it's taken and, and what you want to do with the time you have left. So I think I think that change in order actually really helps this episode. That is such a fucking good point. Oh my god! Right. That re- that makes me think of in a role playing game. Drink. Yes. When when you have like a plan, if you're running a game and you have a plan, you have your script. You know, not script, but you have your plot. You have whatever. And one of your players like throws out a theory, like, "Oh, maybe it's maybe it's this," and you're like, "Oh, that's that's a better idea than I had." Yes. So what Karma is saying is. Like they, it was not planned. It was a not a mistake, but just a, a change in scheduling of like, oh, we want this episode be you know after the Super Bowl. But she's identifying something that like actually makes this a stronger story because I think there's reason enough. As I was you know ranting about Scully deserving a little bit of a, a little bit of a let her hair down, um, but coming off the tail end of an indication that she could have cancer on top of the weight of dealing with Mulder and the X-Files for three and a half years. Um, that's fucking really cool. Yeah. But, but like, like Carm, like you're saying, Carm, you're absolutely right. There's this idea of you, you don't want to, you don't want to, it's stepping out of yourself for a minute instead of saying, instead of saying why, why would I do this? Why would I do this? You start to go, why not? Cause what the fuck? Right. We're all destined for the. We're all destined to be worm food eventually. So what am I doing? And and, and obviously something brings it brings into laser focus. And obviously that doesn't affect Jillian's performance, but it does affect our perception of the character based on that meta knowledge, right? Definitely. I think it's it's interesting too. I think the Ed Jurs character he's going through some shit too coming off a divorce and issues at work and just his general dissatisfaction. So for these two people to come together at that moment in time, I think also ramps up the attraction (laughs) because they're both kind of low. Gee, it never happened. Affairs never happen when one person (laughs) in one relationship and another person in another relationship were unhappy and they somehow cross paths. Yeah, that, that, that never boils over into, you know, unbound chemistry when they're both complaining to the other about their significant other. Yeah. What, what bad could happen here? So (laughs) I'm sure this will go well. Suspend your disbelief. <laughs> to refer to it as an affair, <laughs> it just gives so much credit to the uh, <laughs> the shipper notion, like this idea that like th- they just belong together, and to feel like cheated if one of them, you know, uh, s- quote unquote, steps out on the other. You know, people people in the chat that are chiming in, uh, you know, kind of kind of agreeing, you know, on, on certain things are there, and then BP, the king of the shippers, just says. Everyone needs to calm down. (laughs) Stop. Stop this madness. It's interesting, though, because that's that's and I'm not saying BP's being that way. But sometimes that sentiment almost becomes like the creepy, like I own my daughter's virginity thing. Like, right. Think about this. This is 1997. And I guarantee you, Carm can talk about this better than I as a woman of the time, because we're probably close to the same age. But the idea of. Mold, nobody cries when Mulder fucks, right? And and believe me, you guys know I'm not a fucking a woke, self-hating white. <laughs> but my point is this. We can, it's, I think in 2021, it's easier for us, the general populace, to go get some dick, girl, than it was in 1997. Oh, absolutely. Right? 
Absolutely. And it's there was going to be a, a, a more overt sex scene that ended up getting cut Damn from it. the script. And it's, you know, back in 97, a lot worse than now, but it still happens now sometimes. This idea that of course. you can't, like, if you want to be, if you want your character to be taken seriously, she can't be overtly sexual. Like, like that's going to undermine right. her her professionalism or her competence or her intelligence, like you're one or the other. And, and right. Mulder has fucked prior to this. Yeah. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I say I concur. Yeah. And Mulder's taste, you know, tattoos notwithstanding might be worse than Scully's that awful English broad <laughs> yeah. and fire. Oof. Phoebe green. I mean, I, I, I Phoebe, Ugh. Phoebe's brutal. She has the demeanor of a librarian that's not ironically sexy. It feels to me a very realistic and, you know, it's, it's funny, Dean, that you mentioned like the, the feeling of the times. And again, check our one-star reviews. We're definitely not <laughs> the most uh, woke. But we also, I think, you know, we, we appreciate Scully as a character, Jillian as an, as an actress, you know, beyond anything, uh, often to Mulder's detriment. Um, but I, I do like that not only does it give her agency, but it's it's done in a realistic way. What Carm said really adds to the weight of it. If it, if this was designed to come after Leonard Betts with, with the weight of that and the the kind of mutual grief or stress of of cancer on one side, divorce on the other, or, or potential cancer. Um, and there was a uh, Maja in the chat said Scully's own insight to the cycles with authoritative male figures in her life feels very damn realistic. One of my favorite parts of their courtship is that scene in the dive bar. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because it's just a really frank and honest, like two people that they're not like, they're not horn dogs that are just out there. Like, Hey, you know, I need to go out tonight and get some. They're two people that kind of met and kind of feel something happening, but they're, they're adults. They're in their thirties. They're professionals. They have shit going on. And they can kind of like lay out some some shit that you would be afraid to say when you're when you're 24, right? That you and, would- and and to Carm's earlier point, I think it should just showcases that when you have two people who have gone through the ringer, you kind of stop thinking and just start being. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm, I want to be. I don't want to think. I'm done thinking. I want to be. And I think this episode is beautiful in its simplicity in portraying that. And and I want to give a lot of credit to Gillian Anderson as I always do. But there is a there's there's the color palette in which they shoot. There is the way they the way she behaves as as. It, it, what I like about watching Scully in this is I'm not looking at a puppy dog smitten bullshit. I'm looking at a woman's face who's feeling something and she's making it apparent that she's feeling something and really making peace with those feelings in the fucking moment. Yes. And I think that's really liberating. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's it, This is an adult courtship, regardless of how it ends. Yes, like right from right from right from the jump, like the, you know they kind of have some small talk in the tattoo shop, and it's a little flirty, but it's not ridiculous, and they're not making moon eyes at each other. Like there's just some interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not, and there's no. It's funny because neither one of them are. Oh, it's funny. We keep using the word courtship, and I wonder if it's almost like an accidental meeting. Right. It's no, nobody seems to be pursuing the other person. It, it's like, that's why I think it's done so well. It's not like, oh, I, I need to go see her and, and I'm, and I'm going to do my, like, th- there's something completely honest about this meeting of these two individuals in this moment, which is why I liken it to a fair like, insofar as 
they're not really courting each other. It's just this thing is kind of happening in the moment and they seem to just be embracing it and riding the wave. They're being, they're not thinking and there's something very, again, there's something about that that is just awesome to witness. And, and like Josh says, the, the, the moment in the dive bar, the, the, the dive bar, her saying, take me to the dive bar and him not being like this weirdo overthinking, no, you don't want to go there. Like fucking don't do that. Just fucking chill and go with the flow. You know, I like, uh, there's something about their honesty with each other that, that just you, it really, I don't know, man, it really takes you for a ride. There's something really romantic about it, not to get corny, but it is, right? No, absolutely. It is. You can't help but get a little caught up in it. Right. But yeah. I, I love that it's not over the top. It's not this like, they're not smitten love at first sight. And it's not, as you already said, Dean, it's not bullshit. It's not pheromones. It's not some like fake out. It's not Scully regretting something. Like if the tattoo had never come up, I think there's a couple ways it could have gone. I don't think, I don't think they fall in love and get married, but I also don't think like Scully skulks out of the apartment embarrassed about what she did and ashamed about it. I think either they part ways and it's fine or, you know, not to get too weird and personal, but there was a point in my life when I was like in the military, very actively deploying, blah, 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 blah. And I ended up in this kind of relationship that happened not that different from this episode. And it maintained for like a year and a half. And it was only like a, hey, when our paths cross, we're going to have a good time together. We're going to go out. We're going to do whatever. We're both like adults, both pursuing like, you know, mature things. There's a connection. And I almost think this could have ended up that way where they're both mature and adult. It could have been almost as good as what you had, right? You fucking asshole. No, no, no. It didn't go anywhere. I'm just saying like like a thing that's not like a real relationship, but it's just like two people who kind of are like, all right, like we're doing stuff. We're professionals. Like that's what Scully is here. Of course. She's like, like, you know, she has enough on her plate it, to, to, to put like some kind of true love thing where she's going to dive into this relationship with this guy would be a little bit of a stretch. Well, well, it's, there's no, because, because there's no mind, there's no mind in it. It's, it's like the most beautiful Zen shit ever in a weird way, because there, I guess what I want to say and what I've been trying to articulate and failing at is they're 1000% living in the moment, period. Yeah. Nothing else exists outside of them with each other in these moments. Right. But with honesty, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah. Yes. But, but like living the moment, you can do that in a very like blind, like passionate, like ignore everything that you're fucking up. They're doing it in a super mature, like aware of, of, of life and being honest and open with each other. Yeah. yeah real That's genuine. That's fucking cool. I and not ign- in, in, right. They're not ignoring insofar as nothing else needs to be considered for us to ride. the. That's why I keep saying ride the wave. That's the, that's sort of like the analogy I keep coming up with because that's all you're doing in that moment. Right. I'm not thinking about, Oh, I got to go do my taxes. I got to do it's, it's, Again, I keep liking it to an affair, and I think that's why, because nothing exists in those moments except that that between those two people. It's not like you, to kind of, kind of to your point a little bit, Josh, is we're not, I'm not thinking about like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if he'll want to go to like New Hampshire one day. No, like that doesn't even enter her mind. It's just live in this moment and ride this wave and see what happens. It's very, it's, 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 
there's something it's strangely magical in so far as like there it's like we're stepping outside of ourselves almost a little bit for a minute it's weird man i don't know in in mark snow man he does this like when she goes to get the tattoo and is this it yeah yeah dude so let me play dude this is the weirdest part of this episode but it works so well in trying to convey this we're not in the normal place we're we're in a special place right now because Mark Snow's score is almost different. It's very different for him. It's still electronic and in synth, but it's not that typical sort of investigation thing. But the whole tattoo scene where nothing is said and they just have these great looks at each other and music, it's really cool. I'm just going to let it play, so indulge me for just a minute. Yeah, right here. shit gives me goosebumps it's weird that no it's it's a beautiful piece of music it's in it, in it i don't know it just this fucking episode it does a good job of making you putting you in this spot and making you feel this obviously you know you're sitting in your house by yourself yeah. but you know what i'm saying like that music it, it also it reminds me of uh, you, you remember in, in reimagine josh those some of those ethereal moments in bsg where you're like this is so otherworldly and yeah. it's that weird. I don't know, man. It's it's really fucking. There's something great in the chat. Local Audrey has a comment about Scully surrendering to her body instead of her mind when she's about to lose control of her body via cancer is a powerful sentiment. You guys are better writers <laughs> than the original ones. The cancer thing is is so much fucking stronger if this episode comes after Leonard Betts. Sure. Yeah. It's so much stronger. That element is is huge. Yeah. Yeah, Voss has kind of a Middle Eastern vibe too. Yeah, it was kind of a thing mm. to do in the late 90s to explore with different modalities of 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 um melodic stuff. But yeah. it but but at, at the very Post least Peter it, Gabriel it, fucking world music bullshit. What's that? Post Peter Gabriel <laughs> yeah, world yeah, music yeah. bullshit. Post Enya kind of. But but, <laughs> but because he makes it synth it it makes you feel like, I don't know, but this is my, this is like me and John Carpenter and any of this kind of synth music. It really is an instantaneous, good call BP, Dead Can Dance. It's an instantaneous, it transports me elsewhere. And, well, God, just her getting tattooed and looking at him and he's looking at her and they're playing this music and they're making this tattoo so thing hot. kind of intimate. And I don't Let's know, man. Let's be real. It's, it's wild. It's, it's wild. real hot. It's- it is. It is. Give me fucking goosebumps. Maybe, you know, maybe part of it's because of our age, right? Like we are, we are not the most spring chickens. (laughs) You were just whistling Dixie. We're not old, but like, you know, we're not young, dumb and full of cum, as they say. Like, you know, a a 22 year old passionate scene in a movie is very different. There's something about the maturity of these characters that is is different and maybe it's personal for me or you guys about how you can con- like think about connecting with that because it's not it doesn't feel like you know it's not just your 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 hormones pumping mm-hmm. like there's something that as much as 
it, on one hand, it's a separation from reality. I like what you said about that, Dean. Like, in a way, the show almost steps outside of itself at moments here with that music, with some of these scenes, with with some of the, the you know, the motifs of this episode, whatever. But it, it's also like a really relatable thing mm-hmm. for to, to, to look at as an adult. Totally. And, and to see... To see a connection that isn't just, you know, like I said, not just hormones pumping and two hot people that want to fuck. Because everybody at 22, two hot people see each other want to fuck and are willing to fuck. Boom. Game on. This is a different thing. You're an adult. There's baggage. Your life has baggage. And the way that they connect with each other in the midst of all of it is, uh, yeah, it's different. It's nice. It's It's very different. Yeah. It's, it's, it is. It's, it's, it has a, um. It has a dream-like quality to it. Like, like I imagine her waking up in his place and being like, did that happen? Yeah. Like, you know, it, to, to look at it, obviously, we have the benefit of an orchestral synth piece playing underneath it. She doesn't have that. But, you know, who knows what the fuck? Maybe he threw on some Dead Can Dance. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but just this idea of it, it, it is, it's transportive. It's dreamlike in its quality. It is hot. It's sexy. It's all of these things at once. It's... It is. It's. It's like you're stepping outside of the banality of normal existence, kind of to Josh's point, which is, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not just young people that are like, we're we're, we're horny, let's fuck wherever, and that's great and cool. There's something different about it about this particular. No, definitely. Here, right. Can I throw out a question? Yeah. Maybe to, to Carm first. Um. So we're I don't know thirty forty <laughs> minutes into this episode. <laughs> We haven't talked about the X-Files portion of this. You know, no. Essentially at all. Like a tangential joke about Less important. tattoo. Is it, be- is it because, I guess, here's my question. Does the X-Files part of this add to this personal story that obviously is, is the thing that I think clearly connects the most to the three of us? Does it contribute to it? Does it make it stronger? Or is it just kind of there to make it an X-Files episode? I think I last. tend to agree. I didn't ask. You. I tend to oh, agree. I think it's <laughs> it, it feels less important than than this other like very yeah Fuck. like the human portion of the story, the existential portion of the story, like the story of connection. Like that feels more important than the X Files portion. And I think maybe part of that too is because by the time we get to the end, we realize that there isn't there isn't anything supernatural that went on here. That's huge. Man, I really was hoping I was going to throw that out there and, and you were going to convince me otherwise because it it's maybe the most disappointing part of the episode for me is that I kind of agree. And that kind of sucks. Just think about it this way. If they didn't throw the X-File piece into this, the, the whole talk on the town would be Scully got laid is in fact the X-File. <laughs> <laughs> so to, 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 keep, to keep it pure, they had to throw in a kind of a corny... X file, as it were, to uh, <laughs> to make sure we could just examine this piece of it, and this it doesn't almost feel like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like this is really important for Scully, and it's okay, and we're going to do this for Scully and write this, you know, this ethereal, dreamlike sort of fantasy, while at the same time we throw this other piece in <laughs> just to just to ensure there's no questions asked and maybe even and, and I know guys we're throwing it out there and we're saying well 
I'm glad it wasn't X-File. Maybe that's why they did it, because they wanted to make it quite goddamn clear and wasn't. Because if, if there wasn't an X-Files attached to this, we'd be like, ah, oh, she got duped. Or the shippers would be like, it was magic. It's a vampire. And she didn't have a choice. She didn't like him. You know, not like the fucking goofball. Uh, Wouldn't have been, couldn't it have been more compelling if it was an X-File and that's what derailed this connection? Because I I think, I don't know. Try that again. I'm trying to wrap my head around that statement. Okay. So, and maybe I'm wrong. My kind of end result of the episode is that it's probably not an X-File. The guy is just kind of. Like he's hallucinating from this ergot shit sure. that's in, in the ink, which which is you know X file adjacent, but it's not supernatural. It's it's I I think it kind of maybe my impression again really drunk when I took my notes, but it ended up as like a semi at least a pseudoscience explanation of of why he ended up kind of going psycho and having these hallucinations. I'm gonna bum you out. Oh God! But come on, Carm. We just he, he there. There wasn't enough ergot in his system to cause hallucinations. So right. is he just a psycho? That's the reveal at the end. Is that there was the levels of ergot in his system were not to the level oh. that would cause that psychosis, the ergot um, hallucinate, whatever. Yeah. Josh, can I pull you back from the brink? <laughs> Conversely. That's also why Scully wasn't. Yes. Which re- which helps us retain yeah. the purity oh, of the encounter. That's yes. huge. Right? That's huge. So, yeah, oh, dude. Oh, wow, what a brain, what a brain fart. Yeah. That would have been. Yeah, that would have been terrible. Because if that she was, oh, away. I only fucked him because I was hoosing. I'd be like, God damn it, show you fucked up a good app. I would have been. I would have. I would have been pissed off if if this wasn't what it was. You know, I want it. That would have been the, fuckery. That would have been pure fuckery. Pure fuckery. And I like the dreamlike quality of their encounter because it's almost like that's what we do, right? That's how we remember this shit. That's how we remember these encounters. And, and obviously, I don't, you know, I've, I've had uh, I've had weird excitement, you know, primal bullshit, been the other guy, but not like this. Like this is like, has a dreamlike quality where you're like, this is how you remember shit. It's, it's almost like they're trying to put you in a weird place where this is how you'll think back on this almost mystical, strange moment in your life. And okay. Okay. So, so I, bring up, I bring up a personal story and you mock me. And here you're, you're dropping your Don Juan Delanooch <laughs> little evidence. Compared to yours, bro? Oh, I had this except for a year. <laughs> no, no, fuck you. All I, said, all I, said, all I said was this, I was the other guy once. That's nothing. Everybody's had that, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So, okay. Is, is the, at the end of the day, is it, do you feel that it's definitive that, is he just a psycho? Is it cut and dry that that's what the viewer is less left to believe or is there any? Okay. I think he's had some kind of mental breakdown. Like we don't know why his divorce happened, like what happened with his marriage before, but he seemed like, it seems like he was Okay. And then the stress of the divorce and his dissatisfaction, like, I think he had some kind of, like, mental breakdown. And it just happened to coincide. Like, it's a coincidence that he got the tattoo and then started hearing the voice. That's what I think. So I know that I I don't see, I'll be honest, I only remember them saying Scully didn't have enough hallucinate. So, but I do, in fact, believe you guys because you guys know X-Files far better than I do. I didn't know if that was explicitly stated about him, but I knew it was explicitly stated for her which is one of the things I love about this episode, that they didn't bail on all this stuff. Yeah. We've said that ad nauseum at this point. So 
it, I, I think like X-Files is off to do, they want us to wonder, yeah, that's what the medical people say, but is it possible he reacted to it in some way combined with all the stressors in his life and it did yeah. somehow fuck him up? Maybe. I don't know. Is I don't know. Is is it possible? Maybe, maybe not. I don't really know. It does. It does. If you want to knock something about the episode, it does seem, I think, as you pointed out, Josh, it is kind of the weaker part. Um, so I'm going to go on the idea that it may be, <laughs> dude, this guy fucks so good. Okay. <laughs> this guy fucks so good that <laughs> at the end of the episode, when She's like, oh, he probably killed that girl that he said he helped move. And he had me wrapped in a pillowcase. He's about to throw me in a furnace. But it's, yeah. you can fight this, right? She's like, God, <laughs> he's so fucking hot that I want him to fight through this. She doesn't just try to blow him away or whatever, you know? Like, she's like, you can fight it, dude. Come on. Let's go. Let's have another night. I'll get another tattoo, buddy, whatever you want. But, uh, but no, I think <laughs> her saying you can fight this, I'm not sure if that's something you say to somebody just experiencing like a mental episode. So maybe, but then again, yeah. it's Scully. So I don't know. You know, I, I want to believe there's room there. I, I want to believe that there's some reasonable doubt that maybe this stuff reacted with him in a way combined with, as you said, the divorce thing, which is, you know, that the stress of that on top of everything could have pushed him over the edge and maybe made the ergot or whatever he had in the system more potent or him could at least be. more susceptible to its effects. Yeah. Could be. I'll go with that. <laughs> That's my fucking bullshit answer. I mean, I, I will, I just think at the end of the day, if, if, if it's an X file that derails this connection that causes his thing, it's, it's a better story. If it's not him as a, you know, as a, psycho because of whatever reasons that we never we never know that that's just kind of like that's kind of a writing cop-out in a way isn't it like, sure sure if you just say well like at the end of the day he he was kind of a psychopath and and this stuff triggered it and he was in a bad place and maybe they are got you know in the divorce and all the shit but if it wouldn't it be a better story if you could make it a little bit more tragic where this thing that you clearly have listeners, or <laughs> not listeners, viewers originally. I, I do that all that, the time, dude. <laughs> that gravitate towards, like, it, clearly a lot of people watched this episode and had had some kind of connection to Scully and this guy's connection. So if the thing that derailed it and pushed him into this was tied more into the X-File instead of being kind of a, a corollary... Really, it's just it's just for show for the audience to have Jod Jodie Foster do the voice of the tattoo because whatever it's Ergot, but it's also he's a psycho. If if it was really something more than that, if it was out of his, his control, does that make it a better episode? Can I ask a question to that question? Sure, because <laughs> I, I just <laughs> I, ran I apologize because this might be a bit pedantic, but isn't either event beyond his control? Whether he's drugged and or suffers a mental break, <sighs> yeah. I guess, but like, but the difference is whether it's shown or not. Right. You know, because like I it, think if you're it, talking chemical, chemical, if he's chemically predisposed, pre, predisposed to this because of a stressor, that's one thing. But also if he's chemically predisposed to want to, predisposed to want to throw a woman in a furnace, that's also something that he might, and I'm not obviously, to be clear, well, I wouldn't exonerate him in either case. Oh, um, no. Maybe, right. But but I wonder, are they, how different would it be? Well, there's something interesting here. And, and Josh, you mentioned tragic. And I think 
the way that he's written and the way that Rodney Roland plays him, I think some of the tragedy still comes through because it's it's almost like his personality is almost like split. Like the Betty persona that he hears coming through what he thinks is the tattoo is saying all this misogynistic, like violent, aggressive stuff, really self-critical. And it, it talks about protecting him. If you stick with me, you'll never get hurt again. But it's he seems horrified by that stuff. Like he seems genuinely scared of the things that the voice is saying and he he is scared for scully about the things that the voice is saying so i think like it feels like this almost like this like this fracture in his personality like he doesn't believe that stuff but he's got this voice that's telling him these really extreme messed up things and he just feels compelled i don't know i like it i also like it because it shows that he does understand as a moral actor that he's attempting to exert control over something that's directing him to do bad. Right. Right? Yeah. That's that's actually pretty cool. So yeah, hmm. But I don't know if we I, answered your question sufficiently, Josh. No, no. I mean, I, I think it's you guys are all raising really interesting points and making it making it less cut and dry, I guess, than like when I first put it out there which i guess shows that the episode gives enough depth that it, it's not cut and dry right the x-files forte isn't it it wants you to consider yeah. is this yep. coincidental right. or not i think they do that quite often right and they're good at it yeah, right. they're good they're good at it the writing and the performances i think carry carry that totally but there is yeah man the the and i am definitely biased like i i have a personal I'm not big on romance in general in my media. And if there's shit that I gravitate towards, it tends to have a tragic bend. Mm. Same. Like, you Me know, yeah, I like way. I like the director's cut. We're all for fucked romance. up for the record, all three of us. Did oh. you hear that? We all admitted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Unrequited love, tragedy. 100%. Absolutely. No, but like, White picket not, fences. Not, <laughs> not in my own life. But no, like no, in I know. Media. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you, know, you dude. Like, I like Casablanca because it doesn't have a traditional happy ending. Co- correct. I like the other version of true romance when he fucking dies in the room. Sure. Because, you know, it's just, it's more compelling to me. Because otherwise, I'm kind of like a cold fish where, like, I don't really want to watch that shit. I want to watch, like, either comedy or action or horror or whatever. Like, if it's romance, it has to do something else. I just don't, it's not a thing that's compelling to me. So, I might be like overly seeking out like how can I find my tragic element in this because it certainly does end badly but that's not always the same as tragically brooding 90s people right here yeah that's, that's, that's <laughs> so, the problem I'm going to tell you I'm looking at my wall right now in my apartment and I've got <laughs> I've got a, I've got framed art of Mickey and Mallory Knox nice nice and Veronica and JD from Heathers. So if that's any indication. <laughs> Do you have Dracula and Mina somewhere? Uh, no, but I have the hunger. I have a framed poster. All of the right. Hunger. Perfect. That so, works too. Yeah. That works too. It's very Fucking telling. Poor Bowie. Very telling. PP <laughs> in the chat. You guys are super depressing. <laughs> hey, if you want to, if you that's just because he's a shipper for, and he's just mad about the whole event. Yeah, he's, and being, honestly, he's being an obstinate child. 
Just kidding. If I love you BP. only look for happiness in your media, you're probably unsatisfied personally. Just judging. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Hey, where's Dr. Johnson? Is she here? Sometimes oh, I, yeah, do require, I do require my Trek and X-Files rerun, reruns to get me through the fucking day. The comfort food, believe me. Oh, shit. What, what haven't we... Uh, Carm, what, what, I mean, is there anything from this episode you want to throw out for discussion points or, or scenes or We haven't or really talked about Mulder. Mm. Who? Fuck Mulder. What's going on with Mulder yeah. in this episode? Why did, why did we invite her on again? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> can I, before you go to Mulder, can I say one thing? Of course. Um, about, the, about the sexiness of, of, of these scenes. I love the moments where he, there's these moments of like explosive strength from this guy. Yes. And it's a little scary, right? The way he mm. fucking grabs her hand and you see his jacked triceps and his fucking shoulder musculature. And he's like, boom, and he holds her tight. I like that. That's awesome for two reasons. Number one, the primacy of that is attractive and sexy, but also at the same time, it flirts with danger, right? The movie's suggesting he could easily overpower this woman. The movie. The sh- it's a fucking movie now in my head. The, <laughs> it's suggesting, woo. I'm glad you brought like, this up. That's... Because it gives That's me kind of hot, but right, it's <laughs> it's kind of hot, but also, uh oh, yeah. Maybe the viewer's supposed to say, uh oh, that's a that's a little bit mm. that he's got an explode. There's an intensity to him that might be a little dangerous, but it's also reminds me of this relationship I had, bro. Okay, <laughs> I love All you. Right. I love you. I love you. I'm just teasing. You. When he grabs her wrist in the bar, <laughs> I felt it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Like, Twixt my nethers too. I hear you. In that firm you know, I grip did a couple and like the sudden in the urgency of it, <laughs> I felt it. Yes, yes, I bet. Yeah, I bet you did. But um, yeah, and but but also we, I think, as a viewer, are supposed to go. Ooh, wait a minute. Yes, I think it's supposed. I think if you don't give, if I think if it doesn't give you pause, then it is kind of less sexy, right? Because yeah. You, you know, if if the if the guy weighs 130 pounds and he's got wet noodle arms and he grabs your wrist and you just turn <laughs> your wrist out of his grip, you're like, well, okay, dude. Like, I want you to feel like, uh oh, you're in control for a second here. Surrendering her body, I think, is what is what Audrey said. Yeah. Well, if it's too but violent, but still being but still being in control, so to speak. Yeah. If it's too violent, then it's just scary. Yes. Squeeze, don't choke. I get it. Right. So it's it's um. you know it's got there's got it's got to have some teeth, but. Not so the, much that we're like scared I'll, for her life immediately because it's got to have some teeth. But I can my throat stay in my body? Yes. <laughs> hey, I'll say this: this guy can give her a few things that Pendril can't. You okay? ain't kidding, dude. <laughs> but if I have to rank them, take away serial killer. I'm going this guy, Pendril, then Mulder. Oh. If we're talking about, if we're talking about people that Scully, Dana Scully should actually be with. Josh. All right. Everything I said about all, right. all the teasing, I take back. I take it all back. I'm with you, buddy. This guy, minus being a murderer, is is a better partner. What, Carm? Would you give him one a year? How, let me, Carm. Listen, first of all, let's. Why don't Why don't we ask Carm as she's clearly <laughs> smitten with this man? How many kills does he get a year? Wait, 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 no, 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 stop, 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 stop. This guy, Pendrel and Fox Mulder. <laughs> You rank them as your mate. As your mate? Meaning as you got to go to like the movies with them? 
no, like uh, it it could be as temporary or as long term as you want it to be. This is complicated. You have this is complicated because I I do ship Mulder and Scully always have from way back, but you know I mean I think there's nothing wrong with with Scully having some excitement in her life while she waits for Mulder for that thing to work out. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. From a from a died in the wool shipper. From a shipper. Uh, but how many bodies would you give him a year, Carl? Uh, I mean, I. What if he only killed bad people? <laughs> what if he only killed bad people? I don't. I don't want to know about killed, it. What, I don't no, want to no. know about I it. I want. After listen, he, Josh. I want. He would know. never tell you. <laughs> Stop. Don't bring it home. The depraved. I need to know the depravity. I don't know. Not bad people. You don't know. You don't know. Okay. Right. You don't know. He doesn't tell you the details. But one night a, a year, he comes home. He puts his head on your chest and he sobs uncontrollably. <laughs> okay. And he has blood all over his hands. And you know he just. It's murdered. like the purge. You don't know who. You don't know why. You just know he did. I'll give him one. Can we take out the part of him sobbing uncontrollably? Sobbing's okay. What? I'm fine with that. Maybe he just hands you the gun and he says, hide that, like Ray Liotta. <laughs> oh, so, well, I was trying to humanize him a little bit. <laughs> oh, fuck. She gives him one a year, I'll she give him said. One. All right. Any, well, anything more and you're, on a, you're out of there. You're on a plane. You're like, I'm done. Right. All right. All right. What if he's like, well, there was a witness. He was, no, I'm kidding. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. You can't that's, leave that's, witnesses. Yeah, I mean, jeez, guy, clean it up. <laughs> but as 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 our first full-blooded shipper on the podcast, you can at least tip your cap to the fact that Scully can get a little something yes, outside of absolutely. Mulder. She's made that abundantly clear for the past there hour. We go. <laughs> there we go. BP, do you hear that? Do you hear that, oh, BP? Oh, quit picking on BP. BP's I love, a, I love a, BP. You know what? He's a beautiful angel. He and is. A cherubic face. I want to kiss him on his little face. He's my X-Files BFF. Mm. Forever. Aww. Forever and ever? Forever and ever and ever. What oh. if he killed <laughs> one person? <laughs> How many of you let BP kill a year? <laughs> oh, BP He's going to start with two B- X-Files. B- He's going to start with two X-Files hosts. <laughs> BP kills one Pendril shipper a year. <laughs> <laughs> Until there are any left. <laughs> uh, it won't take long. won't take long. Uh, All right. What do you say? Well, well, yeah, you got anything else, Carm, before we, we, we do our end of the app bullshit little segments? Uh, that's a great question. Oh, well, you know what? There's a there's a comment on Facebook that poses a really great question. So maybe we'll 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 get to that. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's do listener comments. Listener comments. And re, real quick, can I just throw a Discord one in? Voss, the guy isn't a serial killer. He was just having a psychotic episode because of a parasitic infection. Mulder said he was being treated for it, so there's a pretty decent chance the bloodless won't be a permanent thing. My guy, Voss. Is he, <laughs> is he a criminal defense lawyer? <laughs> he should be. The defense rests. <laughs> Let him out. Go to the tattoo parlor. I'll see you there. All right. How come I don't see the um, comments? In Facebook, um, yeah, they are they announced? Are they clipped to the? Oh, they are. I see. Yeah, right August sixteenth. Yeah, it's under the uh, the tattoo the ah, tattoo picture. Gotcha. That's the one. That's gotcha, the one. Gotcha, Carm, gotcha. why don't you uh, why don't you lead us off? So, got one from Rosemary Quinn, 
And Rosemary says, okay, yes, a favorite up for sure. Considering getting Scully's Ouroboros tattoo for a minute before realizing it was also the symbol for Chris Carter's show (laughs) Millennium. So yeah, that's a no. (gasps) Been waiting to be able to ask for y'all's theories on what Mulder was trying to say in the last line of the episode. And why does he cut himself off? Please discuss. Thank you, Rosemary. Oh, shit. That brings us back to we never talked about Mulder. Yeah. Pieces of shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, karma's about I'm to, going to Graceland, the whole Graceland. But I brought you right back <laughs> Gentlemen We're right back It's true It's true We're ready Well done So what, what, do, what do you think Mulder was trying to say Cause, So Scully says it's, it's not always about you And then Mulder says Yes but It's It is about me And he kind of <laughs> 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 Fuck no, yeah But Fuck. it is That's what, That's I think what you he think he was to trying say. to say I, I think he was about to say But it's about us maybe I tend to think Maybe it's along she's those lines. Cold shouldering him, like it's something like I, that. I right? tend to think it's something along those lines of like it's about us or it's about the work. Like this whole episode, Mulder comes off like a real dick. I mean, I'll, we'll just I'll just say that. Like he comes off like a real asshole. But I think if I was gonna pop psychoanalyze him, I would say I think he's anxious about having to go on this vacation and leave the work and. And then, you know, Scully, it's really clear that she's got something going on. And I think he's insecure and he's defensive about the way she's feeling. And he doesn't know how to address that. And thousand percent, you know, so I I think I think it scares him that she might dip out because he's obsessed with the X-Files. It's his life's work. It's his life's purpose. He always did it alone until Scully and if she could, in theory, ask to get reassigned and bounce and never look back. She's not going to do that, of course, but she could. And I, I could see Mulder feeling like, you know, like, like this is, it's, it, X-Files is his baby and it's his, it's his life, but he's come to think of it as something that they're, they're partners on. I think that's brilliant. And I'm not just sucking you off. I think, I think this displays all of his insecurity in everything from his insecurity about not being able to reconcile his feelings with her to, as you said, being anxious, which I think stems from a lack of control over her. I'm not saying he wants to control her, but he's out of control of the situation because she's always behaved predictably and now she isn't. And that threatens him. And I'm not even saying because he is an asshole. I'm just saying because we have frailties and this is his frailty and it's tied to the work. It's tied to them and their connection and what they do. And it's on fucking display. And, and uh, we've all felt insecurity around stuff kind of like this a little bit. And it doesn't mean we're bad people. It's just we have to learn how to grow up and get over that shit. And I think he's getting a bucket of water in the face from Scully, who's saying, you know, they've argued about stuff before. They've argued about the cases. They've argued about the logistics of the job. But he's, this is a very direct thing for her to say. It's not always about you. Mm-hmm. That's personal. That's very personal to tell somebody. That means something. And for her to say it, she probably thought a long time to say it, right? Because we know how you ladies are, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you fucking played it out a thousand times and you got the perfect fucking setup for it, right? This isn't off the cuff, <laughs> Scully. This is measured. Here it comes. And, uh, and, I, and I really think this is some, some real shit, man. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I got nothing to add. I think uh, that was fucking awesome. I love Karma's breakdown, Dean, what you added to it. And I think it, as far as if you had to put an actual line of what on paper would he have said, it's, it's that. No, it's, it's about us. That's, mm-hmm. that's the un, unsaid thing that he, he can't say. 
Yep. And as much as like, you know, obviously I, I am being like a, a trolley dick to, of course. <laughs> to, to our listeners. We're dancing for the Mulder. shekels, brother. That's what I do. That's what I do. It's what like, you know, BP, I, I got to give them, give them a little poke here and there. Podcasting 101. Um, but like ultimately Mulder does need to get put in check. And I think in, in terms of, of writing, you know, Carm talks about like Mulder is a dick in this episode yeah, but like he's also off the mark pretty often in the past with Scully, and it's just nice to the payoff of this episode. If if you are a shipper, if you're into the relationship between Mulder and Scully, maybe the biggest payoff is Mulder like getting a fucking gut check about like, oh, I can't like I've maybe kind of started to take this for granted because we do have this obvious connection and we've been through so much. And she's allowed me to be this fucking insane person who yeah. goes on these flights of fancy and who puts her through the fucking ringer. And suddenly, like, a, a realistic check of, like, oh, wait. Like, I had a hard time letting people in, but then Scully came in, and she's my partner now, and everything's great, and she fucking goes along with me. But, oh, wait. She's still a human being that can be pushed too far, so maybe I should fucking treat her like a human being and like a partner. Right. And why, and, and why that's so brilliant, Josh, in great observation, by the way, is because of the flourish that it puts on to the very setup of the episode, which is they have found themselves stuck in the gravity of the dynamics set forth, right? Yeah. That's really convoluted, but hopefully you can understand what I'm saying. They have a dynamic and they're stuck in the gravity of that dynamic. And two things happen. Mulder feels insecure about it when she breaks out of it and she decides that she's going to do something for her. This gets back to why do we cheat? Because we've lost ourselves and we want to get ourselves back. Yeah. Right? That's a, that's a big thing. And to do that, she's like, I'm getting out of the gravity of the situation and I'm stepping out of this for a minute because I need to be me for a minute. You know, I'm not justifying it infidelity and all that bullshit, whatever. That's not what this is, which is good, but that's how it's written. And again, the end of this is funny because it's almost like he doesn't know how to reconcile that. And I think you said it best, Carm, when you said, you know, we're, we're talking about his reaction to her, but really what's he fucking thinking, mm. right? Mm-hmm. What, what's he thinking here, which is, I think, was, was your whole lead-in, and that's compelling, which is, oh my God, what does this mean for me and all of, and so many people are saying it in the chat about, about him being the rock, him always being there and all this shit, or her, her, excuse me, and how she could just bail, and now what are you? You're, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out what to put on your fucking walls. You know, like, you don't know what the fuck you're going to do. What are you going to do? You don't know. Can he go back to being alone now that he's seen, like, her contribution and how much he relies on what she brings to the table? Right. And that right. taking for granted exactly. thing is huge. And and there's a moment earlier in the episode where where he calls Scully's hotel room, and she's like, how did you know I was here? Oh. And he was like, he says something to the effect of, like, oh, well, that's where we, you know, that's where we always stay in, Phil- you know, when we're in Philadelphia. And, Oh, and you can tell Christ. from her face that she's like annoyed that it's so predictable Ugh, totally. that it's so predictable that you just knew where I would be. That makes you just not want to be where this person thinks you're going to be just to, out of spite. Yeah. Oh, I get that. I definitely you know, you get don't that. know where I'm going to be at the heart. Yeah. Get uh, ready to get fucked. Getting my first tattoo. <laughs> and it's a lovely tattoo, by the way. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty dope. I love it. I love, I love it. I love our, I love that we have this propensity to want to, to, to fight the banality of comfort, right? A hundred percent. It's great. It's great. 
it's wild. It's fucking shitty too. Yes. It's but it's part of the the beauty that is the beauty and tragedy that is this existence, so to speak. True wild. story. Yeah. Take that. I got a comment if I can throw one in there, yeah. please. Uh, I got one from Nicole Vermillion, who I am going to give a, a moniker. It's called Nikki Red. Nice. She probably doesn't hate That's that. That's a good one. Uh, this episode was a like for me. This episode is a Scully episode with her seemingly uh, with her seeming disinterested in the X Files and of Mulder. Mulder in the episode is kind of a dick to Scully, always giving her stuff to do while he goes on vacation. Also, Mulder's vacations to Graceland. I thought it would be to some alien convention. <laughs> do you know who wouldn't do that to her and talk to her about what she's feeling? <gasps> Agent Pendrel. Great, great, great <laughs> insight from Nicole. Great insight. That's a miter, That's a writer's mind right there. Uh, Jodie Foster does an amazing job as the voice of Ed's tattoo with her voice being able to get into his head, especially towards women. Uh, so I wanted to voice this comment, obviously, to fucking get my little pendrel poke in there. But also because uh, we didn't fucking, we barely mentioned Jodie. And it, it is pretty cool to have Jodie Foster in a fucking X-Files yes. episode. And, and the voice is a cool effect. And we didn't really talk a lot about it because we had all this other shit we were, we were psyched about. So I did want to give that a little love because it's well done. It, it, she sounds cool. It's, it's, it's a nice, like they do that cool stereo. Um, yes. They do, they ping panning. it back and forth. Yep. The panic panning. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Okay. I do a podcast left to right. Um, and, and it, it, I think it does really add to it. It makes it a little bit more like, yes, a little Stravinsky, a little fucking <laughs> yeah. diving into your head, like a dagger. <laughs> Fuck, that's wild. The casting too gives oh, me yeah. like those, it, you know, the whole Hinkley thing. <laughs> was that guy who shot Reagan? Yeah. He was obsessed <laughs> yeah, dude, with Jodie yeah. Foster. <laughs> Yes. Oh, oh, that's right. He shot Reagan to impress Jodie Foster. (laughs) Is that great? Was it Rick Dukin? He's like, put down the Etch-a-Sketch, John. (laughs) 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 Fucking drawn her and shit. So I love it. Like it, it, it adds something. To the fact that it's it's her in in Ed's ear telling him to kill. Yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Um, Oh, do I? I did my turn to read something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Glendy. Fresh off a watch, Jodie Foster as Betty totally caught me off guard at the beginning of the episode. Although this episode isn't a personal favorite, it still made it rememberable <laughs> with the talking tattoo ratio aspect of the episode. Rewatching the series in order with everyone has helped me better understand this episode in a better light without spoiling anything. For those who have not watched, I'm, taking, I'm talking about the context regarding Scully's attitude this episode in relation to the episode prior with Leonard Betts and after Memento Mori. Scully is an in-between state where she begins to reflect on the bigger picture of life and what she and where she stands in the spin of things. Uh, and while it doesn't make sense now, well, in the next episode where she finally decides to the path she's going to go for, I could be. Uh, I'm going to stop talking now before I spoil anything. Comedy can't wait for your guest appearance. See you guys Thursday. Um, what I like about this is tying it to another episode, which I didn't even realize was the case. So I actually am looking forward to that. I didn't even realize that. Um, because I have no memory of X-Files. It's pretty wild. Well, you're in for a treat. But, uh, the in be- Great episode. Cool, cool. The in-between state that Glendy is talking to, I like that, right? This um, uh, this gets back to some of the stuff we were saying earlier, this uh, this this moment in time where you're in an existence and there's it seems as if there could be many different things that could potentially happen. It's pretty wild. Absolutely. Good chick, Glendy. Three stars. Three stars. Yeah. I came prepared. Oh, what's the... <laughs> Carm, why don't you uh, you pick the order? You want to go first? You want to put us on the spot? What do you want to do? Uh, 
I'll go first just to get it out of the way. And then you boys can fight over your order after that. <laughs> so She's an agent of chaos. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm going to go three, two, one. Number three, Rodney Rowland as Edgers. I think he does a really good job of A, being sexy as hell. Two, of, of he has like those moments of intensity. He has those moments of being just like really dejected. Like he does his full range. He makes me believe that Scully would go for it. And so I, I like that. Uh, two, Morgan and Wong. Glenn Morgan and, um, and Wong. This was, I believe, their last joint writing on the show until the revival. And I think they did a good oh, job. Shit. And I, hmm. I wish that Chris Carter had had... I wish he wasn't such a coward and had let them do an actual sex scene, but whatever. Yeah, get it! Uh, get him! Get him, Carm! Get him! <laughs> Because they were going to. And number one, of course, come on. Isn't this like every time Jillian Anderson is Scully? Scully Mulder. kills it this episode. <laughs> yep. Awesome. So. Do you want to go? Do you want me to go, Joshy? Um, I'm worried. We're going we're gonna to tussle over number three spot. So I'll give it to you, though. All right. Thanks. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, is, am, I allowed, am I allowed to... Um, Am I allowed to pick Rodney Rowland's rhomboids? Yeah, it's your show. As, a, <laughs> as one of my picks. Do what you want. Because <laughs> God, God damn, boy. Good <laughs> triceps, too. Now, um, I'm going to say number three. <sighs> Fine. Rodney three. Uh, Rodney's going to be number three. Rodney Rowland's going to be number three. Uh, because I think he's the perfect fit to convey the dreamlike quality of this sensual slash sexual encounter with Scully. I think he pulls it off very well. I think he is replete with 90s brooding, dark sexual energy, and it really works for the perfect thing that would be that, that, that Scully could find herself being swept up into. And, he, and he's good. He's a good actor. I think he does a good job. Um, I'm going to go a little, a, little, a little different. I'm going to go number two, Gillian Anderson. Um, Jillian's brilliant. She always is. I don't know what more to say about her other than this week, we get to see her indulge in her sensuality a little bit without her being, you know, wide eyed, obsessive, like schoolgirl bullshit, like a, like a, a sensual, confident cr- at the crossroads or in between as Glennie says state of, of her encounter with this man. And I think, uh, she does a great job, but we didn't talk about her wearing all black at the end of the episode. Yowza. <laughs> Um, number, number one for me, I'm going to flip the script just a hair and I'm actually going to go Rob Bowman. Nice. Um, you, you guys know, I, I am always chubbed up for Bowman. I think, uh, he looks like Jack Freddie Mercury in his IMDb thing, first of all. <laughs> um, but, but second of all, he, this guy can bring a vision to life. Um, and I think the way that he approaches this episode aesthetically, it was very close between him or Mark Snow this week, the, the composer, because that piece of music is, is wild. But, um, but I think the way he 
I think the palette, the color choices are amazing. The way he shoots it, the way he says, we're going to do a tattoo sequence with very little words to the point where Rodney Rowland's voice is actually going to come in over the top of the music, but almost be drowned out by the music. Almost like this whispering in the back of Scully's mind, like, I'm here, there's a person, they're talking to me. It just added so much quality to this episode. And, uh, and, And I think Bowman fucking crushes, man. And I think he can... He gave me a visual feast in this episode. Uh, these still shots, these these uh, these tracking shots around them as they're like like we said that moment of him grabbing her is great from the actors, of course, but also Bowman's like, now hold, mm. we're gonna walk around you, mm-hmm. right? That's fucking that's slick, man. He's putting you in a he's putting you there, but he's putting you there in a weird kaleidoscopic sort of way, right? Absolutely. He's not putting you there like. Like like uh, Roberto Cuaron, I think is his name, from like Children of Men. He's putting you there and he's like, You're, there's blood on the camera. Like, this is fucking nuts. That's amazing. He's putting you, Bowman's putting you in this almost like saying, I'm going to put you here, but it's going to be kind of weird. You're going to feel like you're floating near us. And that was just badass, man. So Bowman's my number one this week. There you go. I like it. Oh, uh, uh, for once, I'm glad I, I went last because this is one of the hardest ones I had to do. Like, since we've started doing three stars, because uh, I don't know, usually it's pretty clear cut, and I'm I'm gonna go against the grain, and I'm actually gonna give my my two and one are are kind of you know easy. Two is Rodney Rowland, um, one is Jalen Anderson, and I had a hell of a time with three. And I'm glad you said Bowman because that was absolutely one of my. Um, I'm, I'm breaking the rules and saying I'm not saying Jodie Foster, but I did want to mention her because that voice is really distinctive and. Even though we didn't talk about it a lot in the episode, it's by far the best part of the "quote unquote" X Files. The mm. element is is the way the voice sounds as an actor and as an effect. Um, but I'm going to go number three with Mark Snow. Um, nice job, because it sounds great. But especially, I don't. I do not have a great ear for scores. Um, I have to really pay attention. I think I get caught up very easily. I think scores work well on me, but I don't like Dean. You have a great ear for like, we'll watch something. You'll be like, Oh dude, this part, like this score. And I'll just be like, Oh wait, I just really like that part. And then I'll listen to it again. And I'll realize how much of an effect that score had on me. So for me to like come out of an episode and realize that like, wow, the music was really good means that it was had to be really, really good. Because I just I'm, I'm not I don't have a great pulse for it so so snow but oh, really shit. the number one star is fucking Carmelita for coming Aww. on and doing this goddamn podcast thanks Fred <laughs> this is awesome I'm glad I'm I'm glad we had you on and more importantly did you enjoy yourself I had a blast thank awesome. you thank you thank you for inviting me to come on you're very welcome and if the feedback comes in that you are better than us you'll never, <laughs> never see this podcast again. again. Just to yeah. be clear, <laughs> it will not. It will not be in the feed. You will not. You will be removed from the group. You know they re-released that episode, and there's these gaps where I think someone's supposed to be talking. <laughs> An insert laugh track in all those parts. You're gonna have to wipe the memories of everyone that I was have in some the more- chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it can be done. I have some good uh, relationship anecdotes I can put in for those parts. (laughs) (laughs) Just go ahead and hate myself. Did you pick her up on the motorcycle? Okay. All right. There we go. Have I mentioned I have a dog? (laughs) 
and I love my mom. <laughs> and Jesus in America, too. <laughs> All right. My I lights don't get shut off. That was a good time. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, I love Carm, you guys. You're, you rock. So we're going to tell these good people, uh, we'll, we'll do these good people, do these good people, sure. We'll tell these good people goodbye. Um, if you want to, uh, if you want to do a little huddle up real quick after con, we cool. can do that. So, uh, I'm just going to tell these people hard out cause I'm not going to make everybody sit through a fucking, you know, five and a half minutes of, I'm not going to make Carm and everyone in the wait on the phone to, until be my druidus ends. I think we'll just cut it here and bid all you good people do ado. So Josh, in the spirit of the X-Files podcast, tell these good people goodbye. Hashtag get that fucking woman a desk. You've been listening to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. Visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net. Thank you.